Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. She was tear gassed and beaten. Images of thousands desperate to escape Taliban oppression filled our news feeds. More than 80,000 Afghans made it to America. But the story didn't end there. It was very cold. There was no power, no heat. Who would help our newest neighbors? I'm Andrea Smartin. In Stranger Becomes Neighbor, you'll hear the stories of some remarkable refugees who left their homes and their dreams behind only to start over from zero. Their only possession was three blankets. And you'll meet Americans who stepped up to help them. You want me to come when you deliver your baby. What can one person do in the face of an international disaster decades in the making? That's Stranger Becomes Neighbor. Find us at kslpodcast.com, follow us on Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen. Welcome back to Live Mike. I'm Lee Berry. I enjoyed that conversation with Boyd Matheson. I always do. Uh, they're always great, but being able to kind of let your hair down a little bit and, and talk frankly about uh, polling and the state of affairs and the elections these days, it's uh, for me, it's a breath of fresh air. You want to go back and hear our, our conversation? You can do so by downloading the KSL News Radio app. It's powered by Any Hour Services, and on there you'll find uh, past segments podcasted. You can download and listen to those. I invite you to do so. Also, if you... If you would be so kind, listen earlier in the program to something we call the politicker. It uh, is a throwback to the days I used to work with Doug Wright, where he would open up the phone lines for 20 seconds at a time and allow candidates or voters or anyone with a view on upcoming elections to weigh in uh, unfiltered and and speak to the audience. We did that uh, earlier in today's program. We did it on Friday. We'll do it again tomorrow on Election Day. You have a listen to that. I think you might hear uh, about some candidates. Maybe you wouldn't have considered otherwise. And There are some good pitches in there. All right. I need to talk to you now about third-party candidates. Third-party candidates. This is, a, if I'm honest, this is a conversation that arises every four years. Every four years, there is someone who, in, in a situation like mine... <laughs> who goes about looking for what are the interesting uniquenesses of any given election? Where has history placed us? Where do we today stand compared to history? And, well, we're going to do that again, specifically looking at third-party candidates. And I want to draw from, uh, this is fascinating, this is a a commentary which is uh, written by Sean Spicer. Yeah, that Sean Spicer. (laughs) Exactly. He wrote it for Real Clear Politics. And remember, uh, Sean Spicer, he... Uh, he's an advisor to Republican candidates and also the former White House press secretary and has been a House of Representatives communicator. That's a job uh, I used to hold as well. And he uh, also served as the National Republican Congressional Committee strategist and an assistant U.S. trade representative and the RNC communications director. This is a a big time Republican guy, right? Sean Spicer. You see him uh, here and there. He, in Rickler Politics, points out that in 2016, Donald Trump won the presidency by 36 electoral votes, but that in 15 states where 157 electoral votes were at stake, neither he nor Hillary Clinton won by a majority. Trump won 110 electoral votes in nine states where he received a plurality. 
And Hillary Clinton picked up 47 electoral votes in six states where she had come up short of a majority. And in almost every case, this is fascinating, in almost every case, the vote total of third-party candidates made up the difference. You see how that works out? So uh, neither Clinton nor Trump were able to eclipse 50%. They were close, but they didn't make it. And in almost every case, uh, it was the case that a third-party candidate gained enough votes and enough percentage of support to uh, take what either Clinton or Trump had earned and push it over the threshold, bringing it to uh, majority status and not simply plurality. Heading into the final week, Spicer continues, of the 2020 campaign, the most important names on the ballot may not be Donald Trump and Joe Biden, uh, but according to Sean Spicer, the most important names on the ballot may be the third-party candidates, Howie Hawkins, Joe Jorgensen, and Kanye West. Kanye West. Kanye West. Joe Jorgensen recently granted an interview, and she was asked, uh, Joe Jorgensen, if you remember, Uh, has been a guest on this program. She is the libertarian candidate for president. She was asked uh, if voting for a third party is a waste of a vote. Jorgensen said this. As far as throwing your vote away, first of all, it depends who I'm talking to. If it's somebody in a very red or very blue state, I say you're wasting your vote by voting for who's ever going to take your state anyway. For instance, I'm in South Carolina. We were one of only six states, six, (laughs) to carry Bob Dole in 1996. So in 1996 in South Carolina, your vote was wasted voting for Bob Dole. So if you're in California, uh, your vote is wasted if you're voting for Joe Biden. So how about vote for what you really want? Also, there are something like 40 million Americans who lean libertarian. If everybody would vote the way they wanted, we would win overwhelmingly. I, when I spoke to Joe Jorgensen here on the program, uh, she, she was impressive. She was well-spoken. She had a clear sense of uh, her beliefs and desires. I have to take issue, though, with this one here. If you vote for a candidate and that candidate is projected to win by a landslide, you have not wasted your vote. That's not a wasted vote. Not, not, not at all. Why? Well, because it's not simply about uh, each vote. There comes a time, once everything is tabulated, that you get to see uh, uh, the tone of the country and the measure of support, you know, stepping beyond, you know, who, who earns the requisite number of electors or votes. You understand then how much of the country is behind that one candidate. And that is a way to communicate that even if you are voting for a candidate in a state where that candidate is overwhelmingly favored to win. It's not throwing a candidate away at all, or a vote rather. You vote for the candidate you think is best positioned and best prepared to lead you. And you gain that information by exposing yourself to the candidate, listening to their uh, speeches, reading their writings. So uh, we'll leave that issue aside. Uh, The other, though, one issue has to do with splitting the vote. If you can remember, there was a time uh, last year where Howard Schultz, remember remember Howard Schultz, former Starbucks CEO? He was considering running as a third-party candidate. But here, Julian Castro, uh, then a Democratic presidential candidate, uh, said this about Schultz on CNN. And I have a concern that uh, if he did run, that essentially it would provide uh, Donald Trump with, with his best hope of getting reelected. So there is strategy in that. There is 
strategy in dividing uh, one party or the other. And third parties absolutely have the potential to do just that, splitting it. Now, the back to the Sean Spicer article. He's talking more uh, about the, the margins, the edges, where things are very fine and where things are very close. Uh, he claims that the most important names on the ballot may not be uh, may not be Donald Trump or Joe Biden, but rather the three uh, or rather three of the third party candidates: Howie Hawkins, Joe Jorgensen, and Kanye West. Kanye West. There's an interesting article in the Deseret News today, and it uh, the headline reads: Kanye West won't be the president, but is his candidacy a future? Of American elections, Kanye West won't be president, but is his candidacy the future of American elections? The subheadline: uh, This is a piece written by Robert O'Connell. You can find this in the Deseret News now. The hip hop superstar has demonstrated that celebrities have increasing power as political candidates. Well, I'm not sure if that's accurate, uh, but he is Kanye West on track to bring in. Uh, more votes than I think anyone at any stage of this game thought was possible. Turning back the clocks again to 2016, Jill Stein, then the Green Party's nominee, and also Gary Johnson, the Libertarian nominee. They each may have played a key role in taking the majority away from Trump or Clinton. Johnson received almost four and a half million votes. Gary Johnson, then Libertarian nominee for president, almost four and a half million votes. That was 3.3% of the total electorate. That impact made the difference between Trump and Clinton, specifically in 13 states. In fact, uh, Trump, and this again, I'm drawing from this Real Clear Politics write-up by Sean Spicer. Sean Spicer, who is like hardcore Republican, is making the case for an impact felt by the participation of third-party candidates. The Trump won six states by a plurality where Johnson's votes would have made the difference. Will that be the case tomorrow? Will we see a third-party influence like we saw in 2016 and during other races in history? I want to take a quick break. When we return, I want to stay on this topic and talk to you about third-party candidates next on Live Mike. Welcome back to Live Mike. I'm Lee Lonsberry. I want to talk to you about third-party candidates. Specifically, I want to hear from you if you have a fondness for third-party candidates, specifically any of those running today. I'd like to hear your rationale. I'd like to hear why you chose to vote, if you did, for a a third-party candidate or just your views on third-party candidacy in general. If you voted for a third-party candidate, would you mind giving me a call and sharing that information with me and just have a quick conversation about what led you to that decision? 801-575-8255. I'm not looking necessarily to get into the issues, but rather the the strategy of it. Uh, I think that uh, as I have had conversations with third-party voters over the past number of months, uh, much of it has to do with uh, giving the party— in most cases, the Libertarian Party, uh, something of uh, legitimacy. And while no, any vote uh, or you know most votes count cast for Joe Jorgensen uh, this year will not lead her to the White House, uh, what the argument goes, at least, that it will give legitimacy to the party. So uh, looking for your calls, 801-575-8255. Call in, talk to me about third-party uh, candidates and your support thereof. Uh, and before we get there, I want to. I'm almost. I'm almost ashamed 
to have this conversation because it is, it strikes me as something of a sideshow. And that is the participation of Kanye West in this presidential election. There's an interesting write-up I mentioned in the last segment. I'll share it on my Facebook page here in just a moment. There's an interesting write-up in the Deseret News right now by Robert O'Connell. The headline reads, Kanye West won't be president, but is his candidacy the future of American elections? The subheadline reads, the hip-hop superstar has demonstrated that celebrities have increasing power as political candidates. I'm not sure if that's exactly accurate, but uh, we're talking about him now, and he has a spot uh, on ballots around the country, including here in the state of Utah. He qualified to appear on 11 states' ballots, including here in Utah. Now, he's registered he's re- <laughs> registered to run as an independent candidate. But, and if you're a Kanye follower, you've probably heard this already, uh, but he presents himself as belonging to the birthday party. Yeah, the, the birthday party. Why is that? Well, it's very simple. He claims that if he should win that it's then everybody's birthday. Yeah, that came from an interview he granted with Forbes magazine. His platform centers largely on a recent religious awakening and a generalized optimism. This uh, religious awakening is referenced in the the article in the Deseret News, and you'll remember uh, it was here, just downtown Salt Lake City, where uh, earlier this year, I believe it was, Kanye appeared and gave a concert, right? It was uh, over at the Gateway, I believe. Yeah, Kanye showed up and delivered a concert. Ultimately found his way onto the presidential ballot here in the state of Utah. The campaign officially launched in July and has been remarkable, to use a phrase, (laughs) ever since. Uh, After one rally... Uh, He faced harsh criticism uh, for uh, some claims he made about Harriet Tubman, saying that she never actually freed the slaves, which made no sense at the time, makes no sense now, is not supported in history, uh, either firsthand writings by Harriet Tubman or her biographies, uh, biographers. It, It made absolutely no sense. And there was nothing given by way of explanation. One of the many oddities to have arisen as Kanye West has sought the presidency. Polling numbers, latest polling numbers for Kanye West. Now, they say that the that his effect on this race will be minimal. But folks like Jill Stein, if you remember from 2016, as we discussed it, uh, their impact was minimal as well. And yet, and yet, did prevent a majority victory by both Donald Trump and Hillary Clinton in certain states. The percentage of support that Kanye West enjoys right now does have the potential to do something similar this year. If the polls are correct, and in many of these swing states, if the race is as tight as it seems to be between between Donald Trump and Joe Biden, it could be Kanye West or Joe Jorgensen or anyone else uh, who prevents them from from enjoying a majority of the votes, uh, limiting them to uh, plurality. Two percent. Two percent is where West is polling right now. That's roughly in line with Joe Jorgensen. 2%. And so there's 4% right there. Between the two of them, 4% of votes uh, will you know will be withheld from the Democratic candidate uh, and the Republican candidate. 
It just blow, it blows my mind. And I'm not sure what it means. If it means anything, is it an anomaly? I don't know. Anyway, back to the more serious topic of back to the more serious topic of third party candidates. Uh, Zach from Bountiful voted for Joe Jorgensen, uh, and he joins me now. Zach, Zach, walk me through some of your rationale, please. Well, I just felt that the uh, two major parties didn't really give me anybody that I could believe in. I mean, uh, that I just feel like it's so bad. So, really, my vote was a vote in dissent, trying to send a message that. Something's got to be either give me better candidates or we need another third party system who does give us better candidates. Yeah, Zach, I think that is a pretty common attitude. You know, uh, you know, many folks are, you know, we're not we're not dumb to the reality that, uh, you know, one of these two major party candidates will be the ones uh, to you know claim the presidency. But uh, if you are dissatisfied with both and there is you know, someone further down the line in the polling who better represents you, well, then I understand that. And it sends a message to the future, uh, future candidates of major parties and uh, the future potential legitimacy and, and you know, heavy-hitting power of a third-party candidate. Uh, last call before we go to break. Bill from West Jordan. Uh, Bill, sir, welcome to the program. Uh, thank you, Lee. Uh, I'd just like to make a comment that uh, Utah is making a statement, and people may not think about that, but I think this is something important to bring up in the future uh, as the Republican Party uh, nominates candidates for president and United States senator and representative. And that is, going back 28 years, the Democrat who won finished in third place in Utah because Ross Perot finished second. Right. Yeah. Uh, the other thing is, in the last election, Utah was not a swing state, but of all the states that went for that scoundrel in the White House, Utah cast the lowest percentage of, of votes for that scoundrel in the White House because a third-party uh, candidate got, got uh, the biggest vote of any third-party candidate in the country. And I say to the Republicans of Utah, think about that. Who should we be uh, sending to uh, Congress and, uh, and uh, the Senate next time we have a a primary election in the Republican Party. Who should we be uh, nominating for a Republican candidate for president in four years? Yeah. Just something I think is important to think about in, in looking at these things. Well, Bill, listen, thank you so much for your call. Thanks for the, the reminder of that uh, Ross Perot election. That was a fascinating piece of Utah history and U.S. history. Uh, and we'll have to see what happens uh, tomorrow night and as the Results are ultimately tabulated and certified. Uh, We'll see to what impact did third-party candidates have on this presidential election. We're going to take a quick break. When we return, I'm going to talk to you about something uh, something else a little off-topic, and it has to do with betting on elections. Betting. You know, it's it's pretty popular around the world. Illegal here in the United States, but that has not prevented uh, folks off in Europe from voting on this presidential election. The numbers will drop your jaw. I'll share them with you next on Live Mike. I'm Lee Lonsberry, and this... It's KSL News Radio. It's the story of an American held in a dark Venezuelan prison. Then all of a sudden, they all kind of lined up. They pointed their guns at me. And this is the point where I thought, I'm going to die today. I'm Becky Bruce. I spent a year working on Hope in Darkness, which now has more than 2 million downloads. Find it on kslpodcast.com or wherever you listen to podcasts.